to It's a Scary Life. We're back! We're back! Woo! I needed to take a mental health break, and so I fucking did. Because Hell yeah. I'm not going to make my catchphrase go get therapy, and then not, and not follow take, through. Not take care of myself. So, I made a choice. I paused. I took some time. I've spoken with my therapist a couple times. I'll be speaking with her again in a couple weeks, and uh, we're rolling. (laughs) I got to spend some extra time with my cat, so it all worked out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Extra time with kitties is always a good thing. Yes. It does not replace therapy, but, like, doesn't it? It doesn't. Um, A little bit. It's it's a different type of therapy. It is. It is. It's touch therapy. Mm -hmm. It's... It's loving therapy. It's having a connection. Yeah. And having connections is a form of therapy. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I just want to start off by thanking you, the listener, for listening to our podcast. This is just a little passion project for me that I kind of just hope to have this go somewhere, hopefully, maybe. <laughs> and I'm happy you're on this journey with me. Ellen, thank you so much for joining me on this project. Oh, no, thank you. This is a great excuse to come over and hang out and eat your food. <laughs> I mean, this is awesome. Yeah, and honestly, this podcast would not work without your real-time reactions to oh, every story. It would just be me pedantically talking about a topic. I mean, I'd listen to that. I mean, I do. I do listen to <laughs> Go on. <laughs> and, like, as much as I enjoy that and people who generally, like, like know me enjoy that. Absolutely. I definitely need a uh, someone to bounce off of to appeal to larger masses. Excellent. Well, I am both a large mass and bouncy, so here we go. <laughs> Love it. Uh, we do have a new patron to thank this Ooh. week, Sarah with an H. Hell yeah. Uh, thank, thank you so you. much for supporting Sarah. Sarah is a friend of, of the pot as well. Um, she and I went to college together for a while. And if I'm being honest, I have yet to find a better person to have in basically every single class I took for a couple semesters. <laughs> nice. Um, so high marks for Sarah. You were a great classmate, just like my co-host Ellen here. And, you know, that's a very high compliment. Mm -hmm. Because most of my classmates pissed me off. I mean, such is the nature. I don't do the reading. Why am I failing? Oh, my God. We're not going to get off topic. But (laughs) fucking remember that time when I was doing the scene from Sideshow. Oh, yeah. Ah. Yeah. I did the fucking work and I was the only one to read the play. We'll have to record that story for patrons because it's great. God. (laughs) It's just me doing my research and my teachers and even the teachers not expecting me to. Oh, yeah. Not doing their own goddamn read. Anyways. Yeah. Sarah with an H, I hope to one day meet you and I'm very excited. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Sarah's invited to the wedding, so maybe... Yes! Okay. (laughs) We're going to hang out. Yeah. Um, So today we're going to be diving into another piece of American history. Ooh! What's our time period? What's our vibe? 1915. Ooh! Yeah. So instead of a crime, this time we are discussing a piece of American history that is both referred to as a psychic prediction and a curse. Oh my god, what the fuck is it? I'm so here for it. So down in the marshlands of Louisiana we go to hear the story of Julia Brown and the destruction of the town of Ruddick. Oh, I've never heard of this. 
Yes, it's a fun one. Oh my gosh. So this story has a lot of myths surrounding it. it. It's a legend of its own right. I mentioned that people consider this to be the story of a curse. And that's because the way the story is typically told, the entire population of the town dies. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, that's terrible and cool. That's but cool. that's pretty far from the truth. Uh, how many people are we talking? Like, we'll get there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There were many, many survivors of the disaster in Reddick, and the, tam- the town was just simply not rebuilt like the surrounding towns. Oh, so this affected other places, whatever it is? Yes. Cool. <laughs> Did he come from the swamps? No. Okay. But the swamps attack in a way. Hell yeah! Is there swamp monsters? <laughs> no, no swamp oh, monsters. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. It's still going to be cool. Okay. So, now before we get into the story, I'd like... Just say to anyone who feels the need to correct me on my pronunciations of the names of locations throughout this episode, je te dis français, alors va te faire foutre, which translates to, I study French, so go fuck yourself. <laughs> yes. Also, fix your broken French, because everyone hates ugly Americans. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Just lie and say you're Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> or... Just learn pieces of the language. Make a little bit of an effort, and people will respect you. Mm -hmm. Anywho, so our story today begins with the town of Ruddock, Louisiana. Nowadays, Ruddock is a boat launch for Lake Maurepas and Lake Pontchartrain, and a ghost town for dark tourists and a local expert by the name of Wayne Norwood to visit. It's located in St. John the Baptist Parish, Louisiana. um, roughly 35 miles northwest of New Orleans and is merely an exit off the I-55. In the 1800s, with the rise of the railroad industry, Louisiana had a railroad built right through the state, connecting people to areas outside of the established cities like never before. By 1855, the tracks between Laplace and Pontchartoula had been laid out and several towns started to pop up around the Cypress logging industry. William L. Burton and C.H. Ruddock established the Ruddock Cypress Company in 1892. The town of Ruddock was built around the company's location amongst the cypress trees in the marshland. And, you know, because they were in the marshland, the entire town of Ruddock was built on stilts above the water. Excellent. I do want to say up front, I hate these dudes. Um, I will say William Burton does have a very big reputation of being a philanthropist. Okay, he yeah, did try what to was do he good. doing to the local wildlife Fair. and, like, ecosystem? Good point. Thank you. Yeah, I don't, I don't ever pretend that I'm, like, a, a logical being. Like, yeah, you can do your philanthropy, but, like, what are you actually doing in your business? Who are you exploiting? Pay your goddamn you taxes. Yes. In this area, they would have been paying their damn taxes. They, they would have. taxed very high at this point, which is a very good thing. Still not enough. And also, they weren't paying their fucking workers. Not well. Yeah, not well enough not to live in Reddick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the sidewalks and homes that lined the town of Reddick were all made from cypress trees cut down by the company. Mm-hmm. There were two-story homes on the east side of the railroad tracks over the swamp. The railroad ran along the lake, and a few homes stood on solid ground along the tracks. They had a 
train depot, post office, you know, the simple things. Mm -hmm. Boarding house as well was on that side of the track. On the west side of the railroad track was a Catholic church and a school. When the priest would come in from New Orleans, mass would held. And when the nuns would come in from the city, school would be held. Ruddick was a simple town. People shared what they had with their neighbors. There was no road, not even the owners of the company had a car. The main crop grown was cabbage and people hunted game and fished for their protein. The town had no doctor, only a midwife and a mother's instincts when people got sick or pregnant. I mean, in this time frame, that's kind of the better option. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this was, oof. This is the days of forceps. Just <laughs> ripping the child Okay, out okay, you. okay. That's Ugh. nice, that's nice. Okay, nope, it's that. Ugh. Disabling them, it's just the <sighs> worst. <sighs> yeah, I, I know I get freaked out by a lot on this podcast, but, like, especially anything, like, birth-related, oh, yeah. I just, I get very... There, it's a unique type of horror. Yeah. 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 If you have pushed a child out of your body, good job. Go if you've had it un from your womb untimely ripped, like, good job. Mm -hmm. I, I respect you a lot. Yeah. <sighs> Forceps. I know. It makes me think of um, the movie Freaks, the pinheads, because that's how they became that way. Oh, no. The forceps pulling <gasps> and damaging their brain and head. Oh, goddess. Yeah. Okay, so 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 the scary thing that happened in the town was it involved? Did it involve forceps? No. Okay. <laughs> Ugh, okay. There was no electricity in Ruddock, and the town's water came from a cistern or a tank used for storing water, not the underground version, obviously, because we're in a swamp. Right. <laughs> you mean they didn't just drink the swamp water? <laughs> Man, I would have to like quadruple distill swamp water, and even then, I would be like. Nah. You can have one of those life straws and just, like, stick it right in. Ugh. Yeah, I would want to boil it first still, <laughs> even yeah. with the life straw. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also just don't want to, like, accidentally, like, suck up a tadpole or anything. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Listen, I love boba. I love boba tea. But, like, no. there is a... I need to know what I'm drinking. Boba is not it's it's like a little, a little, A little tadpole would probably feel similar. Viewers, please tell us if you've ever eaten a tadpole, if it felt like drinking boba tea. <laughs> I don't know. Viewer engagement, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you've eaten a tadpole, let us know what it feels like at It's a Scary Life at gmail.com. <laughs> and um, Ruddick had a gentleman's club, the Owl Saloon. Uh -huh. It's just outside of town, so not to offend the religious types. The railroad was vital to Ruddock Cypress Company, as the train cars were how they transported their lumber out to their customers. The farmers of the area would also send out their goods via the railroad. Most of the supplies people in town needed came up from Laplace or New Orleans on the, those railroad tracks. The train's engineer was a regular face in town in Ruddock. People would give him their shopping list, and he would return with their goods, often hand-delivering them to their homes. Because of this, the railroad running through the town of Reddick was the most important piece to it all. Oh no, something's gonna happen to that fucking railroad track. Yeah. Is it cursed? 
Is the train cursed? <laughs> Melody, is this a ghost train? I wish. Okay, okay. <laughs> I would like a ghost train story. I might write a ghost train story. That sounds fun. Do it. I do like writing horror. So now I want to get into the reason Reddick, Louisiana is even a town people speak about today outside of, well, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Julia Brown. Born Julia Bernard in January 1845 in Gentilly, Orleans Parish, Louisiana. There is little known about her life outside of census data, the townspeople's stories, and journals from a few people in New Orleans, as record company keeping in the 1800s was typically reserved for the rich. Because, you know, they were the ones who were literate. Right. <laughs> we know her parents were both originally from Maryland. She traveled through Louisiana, landing in New Orleans for a time around the 1860s. It was here that Julia learned voodoo practices and started to honor the religion. Um, quick question. Yeah. I feel like that's important. Um, was, what race was she? Was she like... She's black. black. Okay. She's a black lady. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. In 1882, Julia mar married Celestine Brown, and they had five children in total, three who had survived their parents, which for that era... That's that's, That's pretty great. solid odds. Yeah. I mean, listen. That's fantastic. Yeah. You had five, three survived you. That's good. Honestly, if they make it past their fifth year, that's a good deal. I know. Vaccines are important, folks. So is antiseptic. Wash mm -hmm. your fucking children, even if you can't see the dirt. Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher. Listen, it doesn't have to be every day. I understand. I know. Just Baby like, wipes are good enough sometimes. Yeah. But like, like, bathe the damn baby. Yeah. A <sighs> couple times a week, pop, plop them in the tub. Yeah. Yeah. I Get him a little ducky. You know, so have a good time. This. <laughs> Go on. Okay. Around 1900, Celestine was awarded a 40-acre homestead by the federal government. And when he passed in 1914, the homestead became Julia's. Now, this homestead was actually in the town of Frenier, which still exists today. Cool. Still a town. Julia's story gets mixed in with her living in Ruddock, as it was the town that was never rebuilt right next to where she was, and it helps to work the curse narrative people love to push about her. Oh my god. To the people of Frenier and Ruddock, Julia was known as Aunt Julie. People in town would come to her for healing or to be blessed in a ritual. Julia was known as a traiteur or a folk healer in Louisiana Ooh. tradition. Nice. Yes. Despite the fact that she was a local healer, people in town somewhat avoided Aunt Julie. You know. Yeah. Because they're uh, too religious for their own good. And yeah. they just judge everything else as witchcraft. Yeah. So because she was known to practice voodoo, many religious types wouldn't go near her unless they had, you know, the rationalization of why their particular situation needs voodoo. Right. You know, it's sort of like, no, there's no moral abortion except for my abortion. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I read that one article, and it made me so mad. I mean, it's so common, though, the people who work oh, in those places. absolutely. It's like, no, all of these people, uh -huh. you know, they're going to go to hell, but I have a good reason. Exactly. And it's like, don't you understand that other people are people, too? And, like, no, they don't. have That's rich inner lives? I know, but it fucking frustrates me. <laughs> this is why you have to break that us versus them mentality when they're a toddler. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> so really, if your toddler, like, just doesn't bite people, you're winning. True. Even if they are, like, it's fine. They'll grow out of it. Or not, uh, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Go. So, Aunt Julie. Yeah, Aunt Julie. She was known to sit on her porch and sing little songs to herself while playing guitar or tying knots in a black rope. Hell yeah. The songs were said to often be a little bit eerie with dark lyrics. And the only song she would still she would sing that is still known today had the lyrics, When I die, I'm going to take the whole town with me. Oh, I like her. Julia's official date of death is September 28th, 1915. But as locals told the story, it probably took people at least a day or so to notice she had died. Right. Locals who felt Aunt Julie had been taken advantage of were worried that the song they would hear her sing would come true and that the whole town would very soon follow. Hell yeah. Oh my gosh. And this inspired them to throw a funeral for her to honor Aunt Julie and thwart whatever curse they felt she had placed on them. Smart. On Wednesday, September 29th, 1915, everyone who felt Aunt Julie may have cursed the town and more importantly... The people who were grateful for her healing attended a funeral for Aunt Julie. And then Louisiana was hit with a Category 4 hurricane. <sighs> Fuck. Sometimes a prophecy is just a prophecy. Exactly. Oof. <laughs> Oof. I mean, thank goodness they did the funeral, because it could have been like a Category 5. Oh, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, this is how I practice witchcraft. It's like, listen, did I did I affect things? Maybe. Let's it pretend could have I been did. worse. Yeah. <laughs> it could have been worse. Ah. The New Orleans Times Picune in on October 2nd, 1915, described the funeral the funeral with these words. Many pranks were played by wind and tide. Negroes had gathered for miles around to attend the funeral of Aunt Julia Brown an old negress who was well-known in that section and was a big property owner. The funeral was scheduled and Aunt Julia had been placed in her casket and the casket in turn had been placed in the customary wooden box and sealed. At four o'clock, however, the storm had become so violent that the Negroes left the house in a stampede, abandoning the corpse. The corpse was found Thursday and so was the wooden box, but the casket never has been found. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I love this. So just before we dive into the best parts of this with the hurricane, I do want to discuss a bit about voodoo so everyone can have an understanding of why I personally refuse to see this as a curse. So I'll be focusing on Louisiana voodoo as it is the type of voodoo Aunt Julia more than likely would have been practicing. Louisiana voodoo is a mix of West African religious tradition Roman Catholicism, and Haitian voodoo. There are dozens, if not hundreds, of spirits and deities worshipped within voodoo. Some better-known worship deities are Blanc Dani, the Grand Zombie, and Baba Leba. Calling on the ancestors and spirits of the dead is central in voodoo belief. Many believe voodoo to be about curses and hexes, but this is a Christian demonization of the religion. Sure, curses and hexes exist within the belief, as they do in most forms of traditional religion, but there is 
just so much more. Including the Bible. Didn't, like, Jesus, like, curse a tree because it didn't produce fruit? Yeah, he, he cursed fig trees. Yeah, so... You're not allowed to eat figs. Yeah, so back the fuck up, everybody. Yeah. Okay. So voodoo is a matriarchal religion based on healing and especially healing of the spirit. Understanding that outsiders aren't always listening to learn, voodoo practitioners are very secretive about their full practices and rituals. Understandable. Even some of the best referential texts I found on world religions don't get too deep on the practices. The only way I truly to truly know and understand the practice is to see a practitioner. But I have found some general information about things, so... Some of the practices do include cleansings, honoring the ancestors, animal sacrifice to saints and gods for good fortune, and creating healing products and blessing them. So that being said, I don't think Aunt Julia cursed her town. Not only are hurricanes common as hell in Louisiana, Mm -hmm. but a voodoo practitioner who seemed to not hate people around her and simply just say some eerie words doesn't read as a curse for me. You have to do a whole lot more than say you're going to die to somebody to curse them. Yeah, I mean, it's a process. Yeah, you have to, there's a whole ritual to go into. And honestly, I think this woman just knew the hurricane was going to come after she died. Yeah. I think she knew. I think there was something about her connected into the world enough that she somehow knew. Mm-hmm. On the day of Aunt Julie's funeral, as legend tells it, every single person in town was at her funeral and died when the hurricane hit, solidifying a curse that lasts to this day in Manshock Swamp. But this is nowhere near the truth. There were 60 total dead from Frenier and Reddick, both towns whose populations were around 700 each. So that's, I mean, that's, that is still a lot of people, especially in smaller communities. I mean, that's, that, that is a real loss. Yeah, and for the entire state of Louisiana, there were 300 recorded dead. So it's a loss. It is. Especially in this era. Oh, yeah. The one solid truth is that everyone who had attended Aunt Julie's funeral were left vulnerable and did not survive the hurricane. Aww. Hundreds of people from Reddick had heeded warnings of dangerous weather on September 28th and early the 29th. So many from Reddick were far from the town when the hurricane hit. Mm -hmm. Those who hadn't heard the weather warnings or chose to stay in their homes were not so lucky. A survivor who was outside during the hurricane held onto a cypress tree as tight as he could and said he had to force himself to ignore the sounds of screaming. In 1990, one survivor named Helen Schlosserberg was interviewed by a local expert on on the hurricane, Wayne Norwood, and the interview was put in his book, The Day Time Stood Still, The Hurricane of 1915. The book covers everything imaginable about the, hur- imaginable about the hurricane that leveled many towns and devastated Louisiana. Wayne actually does excavation dives to find I- items lost in the swamps during the hurricane and cool. built and operates the Louisiana Treasures Museum to display all the artifacts that he finds. Oh my gosh, that sounds so cool. Yeah, he sounds pretty chill. We love a museum. <laughs> so Ellen, uh, Ellen, yes. Helen <laughs> describes her family's experience surviving the hurricane. Helen's family had been in their home when the water levels started to rise inside. Her father believed getting to the railroad tracks would stop the water, and he placed two of her siblings in a cypress boat. 
When he got to the tracks, he dropped the children off and went back for his wife and the other children. Oh, God. The family was moving against the winds, and the winds were picking up. He wrapped them in a tablecloth in an attempt to protect them, but the winds were too strong and ripped the cloth away. It seemed to her that her father may not make it back to the tracks. Fortunately, he got everyone back to the shore and the family reunited. They made their way to the schoolhouse and soon the water levels went over the tracks and started to rise around the schoolhouse as well. Helen's father got their family in a boat and swam alongside it moving deeper into the swamps. This was when they heard the train's whistle. The engineer had come to Ruddock to save anyone he could. Oh my God. The family began to shout and paddle towards the tracks. When they reached the tracks, the schoolhouse had been blown down. The family boarded the train and the engineer attempted to get the people on the train out of the hurricane. Sadly, the tracks ahead of them had become overcome with water and everyone on that train was trapped inside. The water levels rose inside, but not high enough to drown them. And luckily, everyone inside the train survived. That engineer is the coolest dude. He's a fucking baller. Yeah. Now people love to visit Manshak Swamp, where the remnants of Reddick stand. Many tours have been completely based around the story of a curse of Aunt Julie riding through the swamp over pieces of wood that were once homes and sidewalks that often protrude up from the water. You can visit the Ruddock Cemetery, where the people of the hurricane were buried, or the people who died in the hurricane were buried, um, as well as people from Ruddock prior to then. Mm-hmm. Julia Brown is buried in Frenier Cemetery, and that cemetery is passed on the tours that pull Aunt Julie's name through the mud. And that is the unfortunate demonization of Aunt Julie Brown. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'd still, I'd still probably respect the hell out of her if she had cursed people. Just because, why not? <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't see a reason for her to curse anyone. No, I mean, they're, yeah. They're definitely the people that she would have allegedly been cursing probably wouldn't be the people who showed up to her fucking funeral exactly or the people who suffered the most yeah so yeah 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 um yeah. after that the town of ruddock was not rebuilt understandable and because of that with her dying and that town not being rebuilt it's become this big spooky mythic legend mm-hmm. it's spooky story time the curse of julie brown <sighs> Listen, voodoo is a legitimate religious practice. Yes, it is. As is, you know. So I don't, I I think the fact that it's because she was a practitioner. Yeah. And kind of othered in the community. Yeah. At least in the. And um, especially because, you know, survivors had noted, oh, there was this, you know, voodoo lady who would say, when I die, I'm taking the whole town with me. Right. And it's like. And that became the legend. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it was just like an old song that, you know, or maybe she knew. She might have known. She may have known. I like to believe that she just, she predicted the hurricane after her death. I don't pretend to understand things enough to deny that yeah. psychics 
could never exist. I just know that the majority of them are charlatans. Yeah, I, you know, I don't say that psychics can't exist. I've just never met any. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's how, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like if someone was truly psychic, they would not be trying to make money off it. That sounds like a really great way to fuck your life up. Yeah. I mean, if anything, you play the stock market and like... (laughs) (sighs) That's if you can control the ability. That was the most goddamn intelligent part of the twilight series is that the reason they were rich is because they were play is because they, they had a the stock market yeah they played what? the stock market yeah okay so one of the- this is very off topic viewer or listeners i'm very sorry but I i'm mean, not we're, we're at the end. so we can cut this so okay you know alice she's the tiny one and she like can like predict the future one of the siblings of edward the creep is okay. named alice okay they're not actually related they're vampire related it's fine cool, cool. Um, Sired by the same person, I'm assuming. Right, Carlisle. Um, I hate that I know all this. So Alice can predict the future, except when, like, fucking some... I don't know. I think Bella was, like, a dead zone. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't remember. Is it Dakota Fanning? No, 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 no. That is a different one. That's a different vampire. That's part. She's part of the Volturi. She, like, can... make people feel pain, I think. I don't know. Alice is, <laughs> Alice is one of the Cullens... She can predict the future, and, like, it is stated in the book that one of the reasons that they are fucking loaded is because Alice plays the stock market. That's amazing. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, so that is how the Cullens wrote out the Depression. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) In the worst, most exploitative way. Wow. Listen, it... Playing the stock market in the Depression, though? No, it's deeply fucked. Yeah. Actually, I'm not sure when she was turned. I think it was... It might have been post-depression. Still. Still. No, listen, the stock market is deeply fucked up as a concept. However, that being said, I just I just really enjoy, like, oh, yeah, we are all working people. We just are also insanely wealthy because we have someone who can predict the future and, like, invested in Apple when it was a penny <laughs> stock. You know, like, I think that that is a delightful fucking way for vampires to make money. Sure, yeah. They're already bloodsuckers, you mm-hmm. know, like... profit off the backs of others labors um there are people who talk about how our obsession with vampires especially post-victorian era is the ripping apart of the rich really oh yeah it's they're the they are literally sucking the blood from the poor mm-hmm. um it's why it's so common it became the thing that they're just in fancy victorian garb and that became so associated with, with vampires yeah. because they were this remnant of an era of overabundance yeah um it's the same way with the big victorian homes especially with a mansard roof adam's family is actually the one that first used that Chaz Adams for the Adams family in the New Yorker was the first one to show that big Victorian is a big spooky house. Yeah. And it became, and it's still the motif. Yeah. We still have horror movies set in old Victorian homes because they are this remnant of a time gone by. Also, they're this death in our culture. No, it's true. They're also like, I grew up for a large part of my childhood in an old Victorian farmhouse, they're creaky as fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, I'm, uh, like, obviously I think that, like, this, symbolically, you're absolutely on the money, but also they are very creaky houses. Yeah, it's just old wood. There are weird fucking noises everywhere. It's old wood. Yeah. Most of the time. 
And this is why Ed and Lorraine Warren were able to con so many fucking people. Mm-hmm. Just old because pipes. Old pipes, creaky houses. Drafts. Mm-hmm. No one fucking knew how to insulate. Yeah, yeah. no, it's... <laughs> it was normal shit. Yeah. Anyway, we shall be wrapping this up. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you enjoyed it quite a lot and want to support the podcast, you can do so on patreon.com slash it's a scary life or types it's a scary life into the Patreon search bar and we will come up. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, it's a scary life. Keep up, see what's going on. I love to post uh, pictures for each episode. I try to be active in the Insta story. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If you'd like to suggest a story or just let us know how we're doing, we have it's a scary life at gmail.com as well. Yeah, let us know. Tell us what you think. Yeah. So we hope you have a wonderful day. You have a wonderful week. Yes. We hope you go get therapy. Go get therapy. Voodoo is a real legitimate religious practice. Don't be a dick about it. (laughs) Go get therapy. Yes. Yay. All right. And goodbye, y'all. Bye.